0: Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business program from the newsroom at Business in Vancouver. I'm Haley Wooden. The promise of vaccines is the promise that we can once again meet together, that we can go back to work in a safe manner without worrying about our health and the health of our loved ones. COVID-19 has undeniably had a significant impact on labor and the way we work. Joining me today as my guest is the Minister of Labor in British Columbia, the Honorable Harry Baines Minister. Thanks so much for joining our program.
1: Thank you for having me. My pleasure.
0: I'd like to get a sense of what your ministry has been working on for the past few months, as well as what your priorities are going to be for the year ahead.
1: Well, my ministry, along with all other ministries, uh, have been working together as a government uh, to putting people first during this pandemic, uh, because we firmly believe economy is people. And uh, so if people's health and safety is protected, people are healthy, our workforce is healthy, it adds to the economic growth, it adds to uh, to recovery that we are all are trying to push through. So I think uh, that was our focus so far, but uh, turning to my ministry in particular, uh, for this year and beyond, uh, our focus will, will be uh, workers' health and safety at workplaces. At the same time, through employment standard, uh, look at the uh, the, uh, the, the different economy that we are facing right now, gig economy, precarious workers. And I think we uh, are looking at, uh, to ensure that those workers enjoy the same rights as any other workers, their health and safety is protected, that they are paid uh, fairly, and uh, that they are uh, given the protection that they need, just like any other workers. Now, there are some gaps that uh, have been, you know, brought to the surface uh, with COVID-19, uh, one of them is um, paid sick leave or lack thereof. Uh, one of the first things we did was to provide job-protected sick leave for workers uh, during the pandemic. So that when they are uh, uh, you know, taking care of themselves or, uh, or, or, uh, or uh, having to go for a test and, and isolate and quarantine themselves, that their job is protected to go back to. And at the same time, it stopped the transmission of, uh, of COVID-19 at workplace. So it helped the workers, it helped the businesses, business will continue to operate and the workers will continue to get the support that they need and by staying away. But, but the gap was that many workers felt forced to go to work even though they were sick with pandemic. And uh, you the know, reason is that that many of those workers cannot afford to take time off. And the workers are paycheck to paycheck, many workers are uh, in in, uh, very high cost cost of living, uh, especially in this region. So I think uh, we are going to continue to work uh, with the federal government uh, to, uh, number one, um, uh, to see what we can do to improve the, uh, the sickly provision that they brought in, thanks to our premier who uh, championed the cause on behalf of all provinces and the workers, and thanks to the prime minister that he that, that, that who listened and put those provisions in place. But there are still gaps identified. For example, you have to lose certain amount of wages before you qualify. If you want to go and have a test for a day, they want to need to take a day off and and, you you need to stay away while your test is coming. You're not getting paid, you don't qualify. So those are the areas that I will be working along with our premier, with our federal counterparts uh, to make sure that we we deal with those gaps. So the workers who are sick stay home, stop the transmission at workplaces and the work and and the businesses continue to operate and, and continue to help us in 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 uh, uh, economic recovery, I'm by the way meeting with the, my counterparts, uh, interprovincial minister of labor, on March first, and with the federal the minister of labor, we will be I will be highlighting that issue once again to listen, identify those gaps that are there now and uh, and uh, work together to uh, deal with those gaps so the workers who are sick can stay home, can afford to stay home, and their operation isn't at risk of losing. The production because uh, it could go down if uh, the transmission spread and uh, many workers are sick. So I think it's it is going to be a win-win situation between the workers and the businesses as we uh, you know move through this uh, very very tough times and and the business will continue to operate.
0: When it comes to some of those gaps that you mentioned related to paid sick leave, if they aren't something that Ottawa chooses to address for whatever reason, is there an opportunity for the BC provincial government to maybe step in with its own kind of made in BC plan?
1: Well, I think uh, first uh, it is a national uh, uh, emergency and I think not only national, it's international emergency. So I think we need to put a national lens on it. And I think all workers Yes, we, we care about B.C. and B.C. workers and B.C. population, but I think uh, the federal government, if they take responsibility, uh, which is uh, you know, um, uh, which, me, which will be Canada-wide, then I think it's a easier uh, managed. And I think the, the program that they brought in uh, was a good start. I think, with, as I said, there are some gaps that we need to deal with. And I think um, uh, we will be continuing to pushing the, the, the federal government to make sure we deal with that issue. And the other gap is that it's only for two weeks and uh, sometime, you know, uh, you may need a longer period to recover. So I think, you know, those are some of the gaps that we need to talk to our counterparts across the, the country and federal government to ensure that we have a plan that will address needs of the workers uh, all across Canada.
0: You also mentioned some of the concerns around gig employees, gig workers um, and how they're not necessarily protected or treated as other employees. What are some of the factors you're considering to ensure that workers of all kinds, including contract workers, are in fact protected in BC?
1: Yeah, you know, as you, you notice, and I think uh, you know, recently we have seen the evolving nature of the modern uh, economy, modern workplaces. Uh, it has created challenges uh, both for our businesses and for workers, and I think we, as a government, have a responsibility to ensure there is a balanced approach to this, to ensure that those workers enjoy the same rights and protection as any other workers, and uh, and the, and the businesses continue to grow. And I think we need to uh, consult uh, those workers, consult those businesses, to ensure that those workers are protected. And as you may know that. Uh, uh, Parliamentary Secretary um, Adam Walker is appointed to, gi- to to give that responsibility to deal with the gig economy, precarious work, and I think we uh, we want to consult widely again on that, and uh, then to ensure that uh, whether you are skip the dishes or you're Uber driver or uh, uh, the other uh, gig worker that you're involved and precarious work you're involved and the businesses they are involved in that, I think we need to consult with you and make sure that the workers are protected, that they are not exploited, that they are not abused, and they enjoy the same health and safety and and, and other protection. Because to me, workers' health and safety is key to to grow the economy. It's key to have a business that is profitable. And I think that is is why we need to make sure that uh, those workers are protected, those workers uh, are, are listened to, and uh, and, the, and and we work with both sides to ensure that uh, we make changes after listening, after consulting that uh, help the workers at the same time help the employer to continue to grow in our in our province.
0: I agree with you. I think certainly the last year has really showed us that connection between worker health and safety and the broader economy and our goals around economic growth. I'm curious, In your view, how well do you think employers have followed COVID rules and safety precautions during the second wave of the pandemic?
1: Well, I think most employers did. I think WCB um, under uh, our our ministry uh, had played uh, a key role. They stepped up to the plate uh, by uh, helping, I think there are about 32 different sectors in our economy that they helped them devise their uh, safety plans. Sector specific, and then within that sector, help those individual businesses uh, to put together their own uh, safety plan. Working with the workers and and the uh, and and the, and the businesses to ensure that the workers are protected and their patrons are protected, who come and, and cater to their businesses. I think uh, we have made it clear uh, through Dr. Bonnie Han. Well, Dr. Bonnie Henry actually have guided us in this, uh, and through and and also the Minister of Health. Uh, send a very clear message and i think most businesses uh, adopt to that that it is it is in their best interest to have a good safety plan that is visible that is transparent so that their when their patents come to 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 their businesses that they feel that they're safe their health and safety is protected they feel that the workers who are whether they are uh, uh, you know, the restaurant worker, uh, you know, ser- serving their table, that they're protected. So I think when they have confidence of, of their uh, patrons, I think that's when business will continue to work and continue to grow. I think it is, uh, it is uh, uh, to, to my pleasure, I could say that the most businesses and the workers work, to get, work together to follow the safety protocol. Of course, there are a few who always sometimes flaunt the law. And I think there are laws to go after them. And we have done that, as, as you uh, you probably know. It's in the media. And uh, so I think uh, Works at BC, not only they, they, they helped them put together those safety plans, but they wrapped up the, uh, uh, the uh, enforcement side of it as well. So I think since the pandemic, they have conducted 22,000, over 22,000 COVID related inspections at workplaces. I think idea again was to uh, educate those businesses, educate those workers, work with them to deal with questions that they may have. And uh, then if they don't, some of them don't, then, then there is uh, uh, consequences. So I think, you know, um, in, in most cases it has worked. It always is, you know, whether it's a you know, pandemic or not, there's always one or 2% of those who like to take advantage of the, the situation and don't want to play by the rules, but then there are laws to deal with them. And I think uh, I'm overall, I'm happy, the work that the works at BC has done, the businesses done and the workers have done. Uh, my hats off to businesses and especially those the frontline workers who put their uh, health at risk and their families' health at risk by going to work, provide us the services, produce the products that we need and, and deliver them and transport them into our, our households. I think, uh, these are our heroes and uh, we cannot forget that. And we need to protect them uh, as we move through it and then grow the economy. So, uh, I, but, but we're not out of it yet, as you know, and I think uh, we need to continue to be vigilant. We need to continue to help each other, work with each other, because together we are going to get out of this uh, as the vaccines start to become available. And we, we follow the protocols, uh, both at home and at workplaces, and, uh, you know, uh, where we uh, go shopping, I think we will, we will, uh, we will come out of this uh, better than, than, than most jurisdiction, and the results are before us already.
0: As uh, vaccines roll out in B.C. and perhaps more workers return to their workplaces, what kind of guidance can employers expect from the provincial government around perhaps changing health and safety protocols once it becomes overall more safe for us to go back to work?
1: Well, I think they should work with WorkSafeBC, and uh, that's their uh, the place to go to and uh, and uh, ask any questions. And they should also uh, go to uh, provincial health officer's office if they have any questions related to that. And I think at the end of the day, it is in our best interest. It's in the interest of the businesses to make sure we follow the protocols until we are out of this and uh, uh, until we are in new normal. Uh, we don't know what this new normal is going to look like, but it's up to us. It's up to us to uh, design our future. It's up to us what we do today, uh, what our tomorrow will look like at workplaces, at home and and within our communities. So I think, uh, as as I said before, most businesses have been very good and my hat's off to them. And all workers have been very good. Uh, They have uh, endured a lot. I think uh, you hear uh, a COVID fatigue. I think these are the workers who have been asked to do more, and then we ask them more after that, and then we continue to push them to do more. And I think they they have come to the plate and uh, stepped up to the plate, and they are, uh, like I said before, um, uh, you know, have my admiration and and our society's admiration because uh, they are the one who kept us going. They are the one who are going to help us uh, recover uh, through this and 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 and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, help us with the economic recovery as well.
0: There are a couple of other things I wanna touch on related to the Ministry of Labor. The first is union certification and potential changes around that. Can you speak to what the ministry might be considering when it comes to changes related to labor relations?
1: Yeah, I think it's one of the, probably uh, one thing that is in in many people's minds, um, whether they are business side or the worker side, uh, uh, how a worker can join a union. Uh, it is their constitutional right uh, in our uh, Canadian Charter for Rights and protections. And um, then there are all, always debate, how do we achieve that? How do we help those workers to join a union of their choice without interference by anybody? And I think there always are two schools of thoughts. So one is that there should be uh, automatic certification after certain number of cards are signed, applications are signed to join a union but then there are arguments on the other side. Uh, people are saying, well, you know, there may be some intimidation involved in that. Maybe there's some coercion involved in that and uh, that there should be a uh, uh, free vote. Uh, there should be a secret ballot vote uh, after the application is made. So I think there are strong arguments on both sides. And I think uh, we have seen uh, when I appointed a, an expert panel who uh, consulted widely uh, with the labor, with businesses, with uh, with academics, legal community? They came back with the recommendations. It wasn't unanimous on that one area. Uh, two members uh, felt that the secret ballot uh, should remain, but they recommended certain changes. And then uh, the one member suggested that the secret ballot should not be required. That it, that you know it you know I think that member put it is a second test. Why you? Uh, push the worker to a second test. Um, And I think there are strong arguments, but but I can tell you my mandate letter is very clear that if there's going to be any changes uh, legislatively in my ministry, that we consult widely, consult with all stakeholders, listen to all of them and before I consider any changes. So I think that's what we will be doing. And um, uh, I think also when we made changes um, uh, previously to labor code, we want to see how that is working, and if those changes are sufficient to uh, provide the protection to the workers who wish to join a union without any interference, or, or those concerns still remain there. So I think, you know, those are the, the area that I will be looking at, my ministry will be looking at before we make uh, further uh, changes.
0: One of the other elements in your mandate letter is this idea of restoring a compulsory trade system in British Columbia. I'd like to know first what that would involve, but also why doing so would be important. I know I've heard from industry that securing trade talent has been a significant issue for many employers.
1: Yeah, I think this is, uh, many people probably don't know, uh, you know, this particular area hasn't been talked about too much, except those who are involved in this. Other jurisdictions have that. Uh, We used to have that and we don't have it now. I think the idea behind is that those who are providing us service um, in trades, uh, in construction especially, uh, who are building our homes when we are buying our home. uh, When you're looking at electrician, are they qualified electrician? When you're looking at plumbers, when we're looking at carpenters, when we are looking at refrigeration technicians, are they qualified? But I think um, we don't have that requirement here that everyone who does that job must have a certification. Um, you know, there are, there are cases I've heard that there is a one qualified person, then there could be 10 others who are not fully qualified, according to many uh, who argue in favor of this, uh, and then the work is, is done. So I think it's, it's improved the quality. Uh, and also to uh, improve uh, our, our skill pool in, in, in the province, because we lack skill pool in province. And that actually is, uh, is an impediment to, uh, to investment in, in the province. I think you need a, a investor to look at what kind of skill pool we have here. Uh, do they have the skilled labor available when they want to invest heavily into our, our province? And I think answer is that we are not there yet. I think that's why through CBA, we have mandated with the taxpayer dollars that uh, that there should be certain amount of apprenticeships in those trades, and also the compulsory trade is also argued uh, by both sides, actually uh, by the businesses and by the workers, that there should be some kind of a mandatory requirement that that everyone who provides those services, especially those skill category areas, that they are there's a there's some kind of um, requirement, uh, you know, mandatory or compulsory, you call it. That uh, that they are required to have some kind of certification in order to provide those services. So we are looking at that again. We will be consulting it. There's a parliamentary secretary responsible for that, and I'm working very closely with with uh, with that uh, the parliamentary secretary to ensure that we listen to everyone we hear from. We already have uh, uh, heard from uh, from few already, uh, but we will be consulting more uh, before we make that change.
0: A final question for you, Minister, that sort of takes us beyond the pandemic. There are a lot of lessons we can take away from COVID-19, especially around health and safety, but also around worker protection and equality in the workplace. What are some insights or lessons you hope carry forward beyond the pandemic that employers and industries continue to consider once we're through this?
1: Well, one thing i think uh, my previous life and, and since i became the minister of labor and i think my government also is with me on this that the workers health and safety is paramount in order for our businesses to grow and be profitable and that's why i think the changes to the workers compensation board be brought in and more are needed and i think we will be consulting again uh, what are those areas that we need to improve so the workers uh health and safety is protected so that we don't have to uh, you know, deal with the, the, the claims after they file a claim, after they injure. So I think we need to protect them, have a strong prevention measures in place uh, so that um, the workers don't get hurt. The workers go to work and come home in the same shape that they went in. And uh, that is good for the economy, good for the workers, good for our society. I think anything less should not be accept- accepted and is not acceptable to me. And then I think uh, if the workers are, uh, are sick at work, um, you know, there are many areas, asbestos is one area I think we want to deal with and make sure that there are qualified people who deal with asbestos removal and to deal with uh, anywhere there's asbestos in our buildings so that uh, the uh, workers are safe. At the same time, uh, I think there's a car alarms going on, so that causing a problem.
0: No, it's okay. Just I think you can keep going.
1: Okay, yeah. so I think uh, so. That is another area we will be looking at uh, uh, to make sure that the workers' health and safety protected when they are dealing with uh, those deadly substances at workplaces, like asbestos. And uh, you know, just to put things in context, almost half that deaths every year that the Works at BC is dealing with comes from exposure to asbestos that happened 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. So I think, uh, you know, even if we put those measures today, it's going to take another 15, 20 years before we see no deaths uh, related to, uh, to asbestos exposure. So I think that is also one of my priority. the workers and the employer should expect uh, that that is, uh, that is something that we would be doing. And uh, again, uh, we want to make sure that uh, uh, the minimum wage as we started to make sure that uh, minimum wage is gradual, is predictable, and uh, that would provide certainty to the businesses. At the same time, you know, the workers are paid fairly in, a you know, such a, uh, a high living uh, cost of uh, area, in especially lower mainland. I think, you know, those are some of the areas that we are looking at going beyond, but all of those uh, would be through consultation, minimum wage, we already made decisions, uh, sorry to come back to. Uh, this year, June 1st, our minimum wage will go to $15.20. And then we will link it to the cost of, in, uh, sorry, the rate of inflation. And uh, I think that's, that's one area where workers will continue to be paid fairly. At the same time, businesses will have certainty that they ask for, I think they were looking for certainty uh, when we had um, uh, the panel put together who were consulting with them. So workers' health and safety, the fair laws, uh, labor laws in in the province that that uh, serve the needs of the employers at the same time to make sure that the workers' rights are protected, their health and safety is protected. That will be those will be the the, the principle that will guide me uh, the, during the remainder of our, our mandate of four years.
0: Minister Baines, thank you so much for coming on our show to share with our audience a little bit about your priorities for the year and years ahead. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me but once again I just want to emphasize we're not out of the pandemic yet. Let's continue to be uh, to be uh, vigilant. Let's not be complacent. We're not out of it yet. Let's continue to work with each other, support each other, our neighbors, our workplaces and uh, once we have the the vaccine in place and I think uh, you know we could take a, a little little relaxed uh, uh, kind of a, a time at that time but now is not the time. Now is the time to continue to be vigilant, continue to support each other, continue to follow those protocols, safety protocols by our provincial health officers, because together we are going to get out of this. So thank you for having me.
0: That is the Honorable Harry Baines, Minister of Labor here in British Columbia. And this has been BIB Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Our show will be back with a new episode tomorrow.